1: so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: Hola. Hello. For today's episode, we've got a conversation about the recent history of Wales with journalist and author Simon Jenkins, who's also the presenter of an upcoming BBC Radio 4 programme, Wales, a 20th Century Tragedy. Jenkins argues that the story of Wales in the 20th century is one of economic decline and resentment. In this discussion, he explores why he feels the country has lost its way and offers his opinions on its future. Our deputy digital editor, Eleanor Evans, met up with Simon at his home in London to find out more. Your upcoming programme, Wales 20th Century Tragedy,
3: um, explores what you frame as the decline of Wales in a certain way. What can you tell us about that tragedy as you mean it here?
4: I think what I mean um, by this rather controversial title uh, is that my experience of Wales, um, which is the land of my father, is that it was, through much of its history, right back to the Middle Ages, a very prosperous part of the British Isles. Um, It had extraordinary natural resources, um, and it had those resources right through the 20th century. Uh, And it it benefited from them. It was far less poor than Ireland or Scotland, or much of the north of England or the west of England. And it was less poor because it had had, uh, sheep, it had fertile valleys, it had fertile uplands, um, it had stock. Uh, it supplied England with milk. Uh, it also had slate, iron, lead, uh, zinc—all these—all um, these minerals um, which it exploited successfully. It then had coal, uh, which it s- exploited very successfully. Uh, it had it had a very lively um, fabric industry, uh, and it had a lot of tourism. It was a beautiful place. Nothing in Wales, with the possible exception of the coal. Um, needed, so to speak, to collapse. Needed to go. Uh, it was as well placed to do very well as the uh, as Yorkshire, for instance, as East Anglia, um, Southeast England, um, or, or the Midlands. Uh, why is it not that way today? That's what fascinates me.
3: So looking particularly at coal then, um, what was it about this industry for listeners who might not be aware, um, oddly enough, about this part of Welsh history? What was it about coal that exploded or had exploded at the beginning of the 20th century?
4: Well, coal was needed by the entire world. Uh, Welsh coal was extremely good. Coking coal was ideal for long-distance ships. Um, It was simply black gold. Uh, and it was produced by huge areas of Glamorganshire, And Glamorganshire was for probably I don't know, 60, 70, 80 years by far the richest county in, the, in Britain. Uh, it, it was doing very well. And the civic centre of Cardiff, uh, the uh, valleys, the, um, the ports and docks were all uh, centres of wealth. Um, this wealth was not stolen by the English. It was Welsh wealth. Um, most of it stayed in Wales. Uh, my father's streets in uh, in 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 Merthyr in Dallas were um, infinitely more um, substantial, uh, well built, and nice to live in than the ones he went to as a young man in, for instance, Bradford or in Lancashire, where he was appalled at the living conditions of the working class. Uh, Wales really was a very classy place, and I think I think in many ways it it it, it sort of forgets that by mending too much.
3: Can you say a bit more about uh, how it forgets it, in your opinion?
4: Well, uh, I've read the figures. Uh, I can see that um, Wales really is now one of the poorest regions of the British Isles. Uh, It's almost as poor as Northern Ireland, and uh, it's almost as dependent on central government as Northern Ireland is, uh, which is pretty bad news. Um, uh, I'm just puzzled by this. Um, Whether... It's, uh, one mustn't put the cart before the horse. Uh, undoubtedly, Welsh politics has developed a language of resentment and grievance, which is ingrained in Welsh politics. And I've read so much about it, um, and I wouldn't get quite as far as as, as, uh, as uh, Thomas's worrying the carcass of a dead song, but there's something about that phrase uh, that does apply to Welsh politics. Um, time and again, and I sat on committees' occasion and so on, uh, the Welsh component is simply give us a grant. The phrase, give us a grant, I mean, it, it should be the, the motto of the, of the Welsh dragon. Um, and it's, it's bad news. It, it doesn't do you good. Um, it actually ultimately makes you dependent and does you harm. Um, and of course, when you don't get the grant, it means the colonial power is against you. Uh, this whole psychology, I think, is very unhelpful. I am not put any stronger than that, but it's very unhelpful. Um, and I just do believe that. If uh, Wales is to prosper, as I still think it can, because it has so many advantages still. Uh, it's got to snap out of that that um, that sense of, of grievance and dependency.
3: So how did we first see in this period that you're looking at these um, resentments or grievances playing out politically in this period?
4: Well Welsh nationalism w- was always seen uh, always. It, it, it didn't really exist after, after Glenur. Um, but it was, it was largely cultural, and it was, it was bred um, of, uh, of uh, Saunders-Lewis and people like that. It was bred of a um, discovery, a rediscovery in many ways, of Welsh linguistic culture and literary culture. And that was splendid and wonderful and no problem. Um, uh, the, the fact that the first Gorset took place on Primrose in London is a curiosity. But nonetheless, uh, Wales is very good at protecting its culture and it's a very fine culture. I don't speak Welsh, but I I do uh, read it in translation, so to speak. And um, there's no problem with that. Um, th- the trouble began, I think, really with the, with the Depression. Uh, the Depression hit Wales very hard um, because the price of coal collapsed. Uh, and in a sense, nothing happened in Wales. It was any different from what happened in, in South Yorkshire uh, or in Nottinghamshire or, or Lancashire. Um, uh, a, a community a very tight-knit community experienced a trauma uh one consequence of it i think in Wales, and this is perhaps more controversial is that in wales one result was that, that bright people fled uh, my father being one of them uh, it was a source of pride to my father's family or my father my grandfather that 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 almost all his children got out was the phrase and i think that what was left behind, was a sense of, of, of resentment and failure, covering not just individual families or individual villages and towns, but a, a sort of political community, which never let it go. Uh, and um, the result of that was was the, the this almost this psychosis, um, which, which whenever I go to Cardiff, you just hear it all the time. Um, it's unfair. Uh, we're maltreated. We're oppressed i um, mean um, you you hear this phraseology you just don't hear it in liverpool or newcastle or southampton um uh, and then it's it's overlaid with 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 a sense of national insecurity and all these things which um which wales just doesn't hope even since even since devolution which was a great step forward for wales it really was i mean a moment of of, of what should have been huge pride I mean, it was a moment of pride but it it, it was not translated in, into what what i think it should have been which was a, 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 a beacon of, of good, devolved government on the west coast of Britain. But um, there was an opportunity in 2000, and I still think it was a good idea. I still think Wales, Welsh politics was really transformed by it. And it did stop complaining quite so much and become more, um, more, more sort of um, self-reliant. Uh, the political identity did emerge from devolution um, and is still there, ready and waiting. It hasn't been a great success. Um the polls don't show the Welsh very, very convinced by it. But nonetheless, it was something worth doing and it's done.
3: Would you be able to, to touch on a bit more on the historical reasons as you see them for that? Um, I think you said national insecurity. That's quite an interesting term. What can you say about that?
4: I just think it's it's probably natural. Um, I, I've tried to study roughly equivalent groups across Europe. Um Basques, Catalans, Bretons, um, the, the, the Walloons in
1: Belgium—groups
4: uh, who, for some reason, feel they've never got a fair crack of the whip from some confederacy, which is what the United Kingdom is. Um, and um, and the complication is always that the the best people in these communities tend to drift away from them to the more successful other end. Uh, the, the, there's a, a, a study or end of studies of of rail links or, or transport links, high-speed transport links, not not, not least HS1 and 2, um, and TGV in France, who do they benefit? They always benefit the more powerful end of the link. Uh, they always disbenefit the least powerful end. So TGV, in every case, is shown as having benefited Paris. Uh, HS2 will benefit London, whatever anyone says. Uh, the... the um, Dr. Johnson's, you know, happiest road out of Scotland is the road to England. Um, and I'm afraid the same is true in Wales. I mean, you, you, you just see in communities I know reasonably well, you know, the, the successful bright people have left. And it's heartbreaking to say so, but it's just true. And they've got to find a way of getting them back or replacing them. To get them back will be very different, difficult. Um, in My experience they come back, see their parents, they come back holidays, and perhaps they retire back which is a very good thing Perhaps they retire back. But the new blood, and this applies to certainly rural Wales, has got to come from newcomers. And those newcomers will mostly be English. And They've got to welcome them, make them feel at home, make them feel they can make some money there. And I, I just think it's, 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 it's critical. And I may say it's happening. Uh, I noticed, I think I'm right in saying, the two counties now with the only two counties with an expanding population in Wales are um, Powys and Ceredigion, um, and that's because of newcomers. Um, so Wales needs to get over the, the thing you were describing, um, uh, which is, I suppose, inevitable in, in ostensibly problem areas. Um, and, and just get wise.
3: I'm interested to hear your thoughts on um, David Lloyd George, because you mentioned there's a sense of, of Wales in this period not necessarily getting a fair crack at the whip, but then we see at the very beginning of this this century, we see um, the country's first Welsh prime minister. Surely that's a, a big sign of Wales being very integral to the the union's um, progress. What would what you make of him as a character in, in this history?
4: I don't think Lord George is very relevant to it. I mean, he left Wales um, and, uh, and uh, um, w- went back when dead. Um, but I think, I think yeah, in many ways, Lloyd George was, was, was a classic Welshman, um, but no different from you know, Gladstone was a classic Lancastrian. I mean, th- these people came from the provinces to London and did very well. Um, the, the, the question for these provinces is how do you um, not just suffer? How do you get them back? Uh, and, and uh, I mean, if you, if you take nor- northern Portugal is worse than Wales. Well. Northern Portugal is a desperate straits. Every single man, it's like Romania, comes to Britain or Germany or France. Um, and the, these, the, the hills are just depopulating. Um, and you say, what's going to, what's going to get them back is somebody who loves hills. Uh, and they will come back. The, the Sicilian hills are repopulating with North Africans, but they're repopulating. And I have no doubt at all that, that, that the, um, the penumbra of the Midlands extending into central Wales will be the revival of the central Wales. It's going to come from outside. And and in Cardiff, I mean Cardiff is, is a transformed place from 10 years ago. I just you just see that, you think that. Um, Cardiff just needs the most creative planning to create some some areas of of um a, so to speak shortage. There, there just really aren't any. Um, big cities now need shortages. And my father would have died on you know, saying that. Um, they could have been They could have been in the Welsh Valleys. They demolished most of the bits of the old communities there, which would have been hubs. Uh, you're left with Cardiff. Um, I mean, I'd love to see Bute Town rebuilt. They might get you know, some of the old spirit of Bute Town there. But either way, you need to find a reason for people not to leave, to stay.
0: Still to come on the History Extra podcast...
4: The concept of one industry town or one industry region is not unique to Wales. Um, What was unique to Wales was, was its difficulty in overcoming its decline.
1: This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster.
3: We've already talked about coal, and and uh, can we talk about the decline of this industry? What happened, um, and then how this has led to the, the Exodus that you you speak of?
4: Well, I think, I mean, coal and related industries. I don't know when, but for the sake of the argument, of the late nineteenth century. It was half the population, half the working population of Wales. It was just gigantic, but it was no different from uh, wool in Yorkshire or cotton in Lancashire. Uh, or, or fishing, Grimsby. Uh, the, the, the concept of one industry town or one industry region is not unique to Wales. Um, what was unique to Wales was, was its difficulty in overcoming its decline. Uh, the decline of coal, I mean, really, in the last twenty years since the great um, coal collapse, um, was indeed dramatic and traumatic, and in all sorts of way, ways, um, it deserved almost a royal commission. I mean, what on earth are we going to do with these communities? because we don't want them just to empty. In the American Midwest, they just emptied. And the Rust Belt just emptied. People went away. And you can go around these extraordinary mining towns and just see nothing. Um, I think that would be, would be a tragedy. Um, not least because um, there's so many things these, these, these places could have done. They're very they're quite close to Cardiff. They're close to a central population. Um, they are uh, up in the hills, um, not polluted and so on. My father always talked of going out out of his backyard and walking up the hill. Uh, You don't get that in many um, poor communities or tenement communities. So um, the the question of how you recover from coal um, was certainly moot. And at the time, it has to be said, everybody said, we've got to get inward investment. The Hoover factory came, and and these lumpy investments came, which, of course, then left. Uh, You you had to think, in in terms of these communities, in, in my view, as how they can, how can they support the nearest viable employment centre. In the case of the valleys, it's Cardiff and Swansea. How can you make Cardiff and Swansea really work? Well, you've got to try and make them places that people want to come to, people of talent want to come to, and people of talent want to stay. One of the keys to that is two good universities, which they've got. Uh, another is um, an attractive place to hang out, frankly, um, you know, Parts of Leeds have got it. Calls in Leeds. Um, um, We've mentioned Hebden Bridge, uh, the the northern quarter of of Manchester, um, becoming quite sort of funky. Uh, I mean, these we laugh, you know, but these things matter. They just matter. And and uh, anyone would have said that uh, who said that that, that Hoxton would one day be fashionable um, would have been laughed out of court. It's fashionable.
3: Um, I know we're talking predominantly about the economic decline here, but I I think um one thing you touched upon earlier is uh the cultural um sense of Welshness, whether that's music, culture, sport. Um I, and I'm interested to hear your take on the on the role of culture in that.
4: Well, um y- 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 politics and economics are uncontroversial. Un- unconver- un- <laughs> culture is not. Um I don't speak Welsh. Um, I, I can say the place names. Uh, um, my father spoke it a bit. My grandfather didn't speak it a lot, although he was very Welsh. Um, but but so the Welsh fellows in those days were not Welsh-speaking. I'm, um, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. not afraid either. They weren't. Um, the, the the two things I think on this. On the one hand, the, the Welsh um, language and culture is, is, is splendid. It's, it's, it's one of the great, what's called Celtic cultures of Europe, and it's alive. Um, I said, "What I've been to is very exciting. Uh, you do sense a very a specialness about it, um, and uh, you know, I, I love listening to the, the Panetolian and, the, and the, um, uh, the special characteristics of this of this language and culture. Um, where I'm alarmed is simply at its imposition compulsorily on people who who just are not a part of it." I mean, it is exactly what they claim the English did when they invaded Wales. Uh, It's no good taking taking very young children who do not speak Welsh, refusing to teach them any language other than Welsh. Um, It it is clearly holding them back. It's clearly holding Welsh um, education back, which was thriving when Welsh was taught but not compulsorily. Uh, My father learned Welsh in school proudly uh, I think you'd now be forced to learn it angrily. And I just think it's the element of compulsion. It's the it's the, the tricks like you know, giving me official documents in which the Welsh is in black and the English is in red so I can't read it. I mean, silly things like that just infuriate people and, of course, divide them and deter outsiders from coming in. Um, and I just think it's, it's, it's economically a bad idea, even if it's culturally a good idea.
3: So for Wales to get a sense of any economic recovery or, or um, prosperity, um, how, how would you see that affecting the, the movement towards Welsh language?
4: Well, Welsh language, Welsh language is, is, is claimed by 20% of the population. Uh, other studies say probably half that speak in any meaningful sense and possibly far fewer at home. Um, In other words, it's benefited from this this, this compulsory culture of the public sector. Um, uh, So I don't don't think the language matters very much. I think nothing would do better for Welsh culture than the revival of the Welsh economy, uh, confidence in Welsh towns and cities that they have a a viable economic future, um, and uh, people flocking to Wales because they want to be there, which is more than half the Welsh want to be because they're leaving. Uh, it's to make Welsh uh, Welsh attractive in that sense. Almost all the people in Welsh language schools in Wales are English people who come to settle there. Hooray! Why ram it down other people's throats? So, I mean, I, I think that that these things aren't separate. I think the, the culture of Wales, which is it's one of its most unique characteristics, is absolutely safe. It will not die out. Um, the only thing that will die out is, is it will make it die out so if it's compulsory. I once said, I honestly think the best thing for the Welsh language is to ban it. The government must ban the Welsh language. It will flourish.
3: So ar- around the middle of the century, um, we see this rise of, of nationalist politics. What can you say about what happened there?
4: Well, I mean, the, 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 um, the conversion of um, a growing sense of Welsh cultural identity into um, a, a, a political phenomenon it was very slow and gradual. Um, and I think it, uh, it it was, in a sense, bedeviled all the time by a kind of romanticism, um, which kept harking back to the Gorset and Lindor and so on. Um, and w- whenever I d- talk to my friend Jan Morris about this, she keeps saying, don't ignore the, f- the, the importance of myth and legend in national history. I said, no, but it would be quite nice if it had something to do with facts. But anyway... Um, But but the the, the emergence of it as a political movement, um, I think, had a lot to do with Scottish nationalism emerging. um, And the the early days of nationalism um, then got bound up in and and trapped by the language question, which meant that a huge chunk of Welsh people were just alienated from it. They were not going to vote for a a party that didn't speak their language. Um, But but more recently, um, because devolution has become you know, the talk of the age. <clears throat> and I suppose because I am myself an instinctive nationalist. I mean, I, I mean that. I'm a nationalist. I'm not an internationalist in, in, in politics. And I've always believed that, that, uh, that Ireland would eventually go, Northern Ireland and Scotland will eventually go. The question is what would happen to Wales? Uh, it doesn't make sense for Wales to be an independent state in the sense of its political economy cutting off from England. Uh, Wales, to my mind, its entire future is built in its relationship with Lancashire, the Midlands, and the Southwest, it's got to see itself that way. Uh, the idea of it being a bubble uh, uh, off the west coast of England is just unrealistic. It's not. Um, but um, but but I think I think to that extent, Clyde Cymru, which is a party whose, whose sort of overall ambitions I support, um, I think the idea of Wales acquiring um, a political identity which geography relates to, a geog- relates to a geography um, is helpful, um, as it was when Ireland went independent of England. Um, what is not helpful is to think that it can become, you know, it can have a border. It doesn't, it's not realistic. It must apply to what, what I think the Scots now call independence light. But I think independence light for Wales, which means foregoing English subsidies, but generating um, a new fiscal structure for Wales and um, devising new attractions to get people to want to go and live there, not industries to move there, people to want to go and live there, because people are industries, ultimately, Um, uh, is a viable way forward. Um, And i always quite surprised when Plaid Cymru leaders feel obliged to say, uh, we want full independence. It doesn't mean anything.
3: Um, I'm hesitant to use such a simple phrase, but I'm I'm trying to think what I can say. Is there any particular historical aspect or resentment that you think is most important for Wales to get over?
4: Well, I, I, think, it, I think Wales has to get over England. It really has to. Um, it, it, England treated it terribly badly, but it was in the 13th century. I once was talking to the Welsh Minister of Culture at the time about how undersold, I thought, the great castles of Wales, which are the greatest collection of castles in Europe, were at the time. He looked at me incredulous. He said, why should we give publicity to English castles? I could not believe I was hearing this from someone in charge of tourism. That's the problem. If you hate your neighbour that much, you aren't going to get any help from them in the long term. Uh, And I think if Wales could get over England and become Wales again, (laughs) it would do do nothing but, but good.
3: How do you think then, if we can talk in general terms of, of countries of Wales getting over England, how do you think England perceives Wales at the moment?
4: It, it was very interesting. I, I, was, I, was, I, did, I did a book on English history about five years ago. And <clears throat> complaints came in, why have you done it on England, not Wales and Scotland, for that matter? And I said, because it happens to the history of England. And they said, well, can't you be more broad-minded? And no, it's a history book about England. And I'll tell you one thing. Um... English people are not the slightest interested, bit interested in Wales. They're mildly interested in Scotland. Largely because of Mary, Queen of Scots, Macbeth. No one has a clue about Wales. I mean, and I say, how many English people know about Howell How many really know about Howell in the Great? Um, they might as well be uh, in Arabia. Uh, now, that's a fault of English education. But it, it, it is the case that this is a very unknown part of territory. And it's one reason why, um, for instance, very few English tourists do not go to Wales as much as they should. Um, It is is really an unknown country. And I think that's why um, it is most crude house prices in Wales are so much lower than they are in England. But I'm afraid the answer to your question is England is not very interested in Wales.
0: That was Simon Jenkins. His Radio 4 programme, Wales, a 20th Century Tragedy, will be broadcast at 8pm on Monday, the 16th of March, and will also be available to stream afterwards. You can read a version of this interview in the March issue of BBC History magazine, which is on sale now and also includes features on Henry V, the Dark Ages, the Glencoe Massacre and a Georgian terrorist plot. Thanks for listening. Today's podcast was produced by Ben Hewitt and Jack Bateman. We'll be back on Monday when Laura Spinney will be offering a historical perspective on the recent coronavirus outbreak.